everybody, I'm Dennis Prager, and welcome to the Fireside Chat, which I have with you every week. That's how important I consider it, actually, because some weeks it's a little tougher than others. Anyway, it's great to be with you. Uh, Otto, my sidekick. Otto, you're the guy. You are the guy, Otto. Otto's very popular. I, I'm very touched by that. Anyway, it's great to be with you. This is a chance for me to offer you thoughts on what is on my mind. You get to know me better. There's nothing rehearsed here. There is no script. And uh, spontaneity has both its virtues and uh, disadvantages. Disadvantages, you've said it, and that's just what came out. But the advantage is that it is... it strikes you, the viewer, as completely real. And it is. It's just completely real. So anyway, great to be with you. A number of people have asked that I comment on Hong Kong, which I've been to many times. I've been to China a number of times. I was in China, actually. The moment they announced after Mao's death that it's opened up to tourism, I went. I was in my 20s. And I, I did for many reasons. One of them is that I studied, my formal study was in communist countries and communism. Leftism, communism, communist countries. That's why I studied Russian, to be able to read Soviet newspapers. And I had been to a number of communist countries because uh, I hated communism. I wanted to understand it. I hate anything that deprives people of liberty and rights, and which, of course, murders on a mass level, which every communist regime has. And I wanted to see what China was like. China was, China was probably a tiny bit, because it's not easy to get that way. It was even more totalitarian than the Soviet Union. In, in the Soviet Union, uh, and I went there during the heyday of, the, of, of, of Brezhnev and totalitarianism, also in my 20s. But you could walk around on your own. You might have been followed, but you could walk around on your own, whereas in China, that was not available at that time. Now it is. But at that time, uh, it was truly totalitarian. You had to be with a minder that is a government, quote-unquote, guide who took you everywhere. The woman was an advanced version of robot. Uh, it, it, and I, I was used to that, these communist guides who rehearsed lines and had, had no talk about spontaneity, had absolutely no spontaneity. It was actually scary to be, it's scary to be with such a person where it is, a series of lines. I could have walked around with a recording. If I'd ask a question, I knew the answer that I would receive. I went to a concert. I'll give this may give you an idea of how totalitarian. <laughs> I'm laughing because I should really cry, but I. Uh, but it, it, it's in its own way the absurdity of it is funny. I went to a concert one night, of course, with my guide, and they had a woodwind quintet. I'm into classical music. A woodwind quintet, quintet is of course five. Uh, woodwinds uh, are clarinet uh, and uh, an oboe and bassoon. 
and uh, they're, they're beautiful instruments, of course. So this was a woodwind quintet. Now, there, were no, there was no singer, so it was just notes, obviously. The name of the piece, I still remember it, was All the Peoples of the Autonomous Provinces Praise Chairman Hua. That was the name of the woodwind quintet. So it was the All the People of the Provinces Praise Chairman Hua Quintet. <laughs> I mean, of course, it, it had nothing to do with anything. It was just... It was just music but they gave it a name chairman hua was the was the uh, the chinese communist leader who succeeded mao so i mean you in other words everything everything was communist everything is controlled when hong kong w went from british rule to uh, chinese rule and they said what well, was it uh, one government two systems or whatever that motto was i i i knew this was uh, temporary. Communist regimes do not allow uh, free entities in their midst. It, it's the nature of it. They, they gobble up whatever they, whatever they control. So I, I am not surprised that they, they now wanted the reason for the riots in, in, in Hong Kong is the law that the people will be transferred some people will be transferred to, to the mainland to be tried, which is the, the end of that person. There's no chance of a defense. It's a very, it's, uh, it's a very terrible thing. My, my heart breaks for the people of Hong Kong because they, they know freedom. I wish that the average young American appreciated freedom, frankly, as, or, or for that matter, probably young European appreciated freedom as much as the young Chinese in Hong Kong. One of the reasons that I have a, a dark view of human nature is that people, human nature is that you don't appreciate something till you lose it. It's a very sad aspect of, of the human being. I mean, you can rise above it. The, our task in life is to rise above human nature. That's, a, that's our moral task, is to fight our natures. Uh, the, but that's an example of, there, there's a saying in Oregon because that's a big tim there was a, there was maybe still is a big timber industry you you don't know how you doing hey uh he wants to hear me better this is the guy this is the guy also he knew wait a minute they're not seeing my face so maybe it is getting to him his fame there's a saying in Oregon you don't know something to the effect you don't know how tall a tree is until it falls that's very depressing. Do we not know what we have till we lose it? A lot of people appreciate their parents more after they're, after they're dead. They don't realize, you know, that's a pretty good person with all his or her flaws. Uh, or, or whatever it might be in life. So in Hong Kong, they, they, they know what it is to lose freedom. They're, they're quite aware. It's just, uh, I guess you could swim from Hong Kong to the mainland. Certainly can just walk in. That's, uh, that's what's happening in the West. People don't appreciate uh, liberty. Because there's, that, there's another reason for that, and that is 
liberty is a value more than a yearning. It's, it's a yearning among people who know the difference between freedom and tyranny. But for most people, the greater desire is to be taken care of. People yearn to be taken care of more than they yearn for liberty. That is the only reason for the left's success in any country. That is what people want. I want to be taken care of. Also, people, some people, many people, I don't quite get this at all, but many people resent the existence of wealthier people more than they love liberty. So if, if I, I can, if, if getting rid of inequality means getting rid of liberty, people will do, okay, that's a deal. Just to have equality, and by the way, the only way to have equality of result not equality of opportunity, but the quality of result is through tyranny. There is no other way. Uh, the example I often give is a baseball example, but you can use any sport. For those of you unaware of baseball, <coughs> uh, a, uh, a first baseman or a pitcher or anybody on a team gets paid a lot more money than a teacher does. And, and one might say, gee, that's, uh, that's unfair, right? Shouldn't a teacher get more money than a first baseman or a goalie in, uh, in, in uh, soccer, right? After all, who contributes theoretically more to society, a teacher or a goalie? But goalies get a lot more money. The only way you could change that is by making a law. Goalies will get paid the same as a teacher. It'd be very interesting. I think it would be interesting to put on a ballot in, in an American state that question, <coughs> excuse me, would you pass a law that would ensure that teachers got paid as much as athletes? I'd like to, I would be very curious if we, we it, just to do it among students even, I wonder what the, what the vote would be uh, on, in such a case. Anyway, uh, the, it's one of the other reasons that liberty is not widespread. People don't value it as much as we would like. They do in Hong Kong. My heart goes out to these people. And I have one other thought about Hong Kong that I'd like to share with you. I think of the policemen, uh, the, the people who, who, you know, sometimes even beat up some of these young people demonstrating what is, what is in their mind? They must have relatives who were demonstrating. I mean, it's a, it's a relatively small place, Hong Kong. A lot of these policemen must have relatives or, you know, nephews, nieces, children even, who were demonstrating. Do they think they're wrong? Do, do these policemen believe, wow, we'll be better off if we're governed by the mainland? Or do they do it because they have no choice? They'll be fired and they won't have a job? I don't know the answer. But I always wonder, how do you beat up a fellow Chinese, a fellow Hong Kong resident who is saying, wait, I don't want to be taken over by communist China? Which it's never called, by the way. Nobody calls it communist China. It's just called China. It, when I was a kid, it was called communist China. And it was... Uh, it was an appropriate thing to say. After all, we say Nazi Germany.
right? When you speak of Germany from 1933 to 1945, you say Nazi Germany. Why don't we say Communist China? Of course, I know why. It's one of PragerU video that I made. Uh, why don't people hate communism as much as Nazism? Or why isn't uh, communism hated as much as Nazism? I don't remember the exact uh, title. It's a good moral question, and it's a good five minutes to, to meditate on. I believe, uh, I not don't believe, I know it is one of the videos that has been restricted uh, by, uh, by Google slash YouTube. So it's a battle. Every generation is a battle. I, 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 you know what amazes me? I often think people just repeat the errors of the past. I have this sense, my favorite movie is arguably, I have a few favorites, but up there is Groundhog Day. I think it's a brilliant film. I love the film. I've seen it a number of times. I have this feeling that God has Groundhog Day on a regular basis. Just, oh no, another generation doing the same stupid things. I wonder if God gets bored looking at the human condition. And the reason that people repeat the errors of the past is that so many people have no desire to be wise. They just follow their heart, and the heart is the same. My, my heart and its desires are the same as people who lived 8,000 years ago. It, there's no difference. So if you don't learn, imagine if we didn't learn any science from the past generation, and every generation had to study science anew. So, of course, every generation we'd all be sick and die. Uh, uh, vast numbers of people would die because we'd have to start all over again. Oh, wait, gee, what's a microbe? What's a germ? And that, imagine, apply that then to moral wisdom. Nothing is learned, so every generation has to restart. Otherwise, how do you explain that the 20th century was the most bloody century in human history? You would have thought people would have learned. When I see people in America clamoring for socialism, when every, every one of these countries that, that has tried this ism has, has descended into something awful, what do they think? This one will be different? We'll get it right this time? There is no socialism to get right. <laughs> it's wrong. You can't get wrong right. It doesn't work. Economically, it's a joke. All wealth is produced by capitalism. Socialism has never produced any wealth. Socialism spends the wealth capitalism creates. That's easy. It's effortless to give people money. That's why it's effortless to be on the left. It's much harder to win in the United States as a Republican than to win as a Democrat. Democrats say, what would you like? We'll give it to you. And the Republican says, actually, we won't. We want you to work hard and take care of yourself, your family, and your community. When, when absolutely necessary, we'll take care of you, but in most cases, not absolutely necessary. You should take care of yourself. The, the conservative in any country has, uh, the true conservative, not often people who call themselves conservatives, conservative parties are often simply the same as socialist parties, just less so. Uh, but a, a true conservative, their desire is that the government leave them alone. 
It's the opposite. The further you go left, the more you want the government in your life. And the more you move right, the less government you want in your life. That's why, by definition, the right is less dangerous than the left. Of course that's true. What's more dangerous, the people who want more government in their lives or the people who want less government in their lives? By definition. Now they'll say, well, Nazis are right wing. Okay, first of all, Nazism is not a threat in the United States, as an example. It is not a threat. Alan Dershowitz is a Jew, a liberal, a Democrat, Hillary Clinton supporter, professor of law at Harvard, said to me in, 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 in the film that you, you can watch it in the film, No Safe Spaces. It's coming out momentarily in theaters and, and it'll be on DVD all over the world. And he said to me in his apartment, Dennis, as, a, as an American, as a liberal, as a Democrat, as a, as a Hillary Clinton supporter, as a Jew, I far more fear the left than the right. The Nazis are not a threat. The left is a threat. The Nazis were a threat in Germany. There's no question about it. He wouldn't have said that then, and quite rightly. So some thoughts on Hong Kong leads to a lot of thoughts on about a lot of things. All right, now we have this uh, nice thing, the video question. This is from, all right, a young man in Missouri, Bradley. Take it away, Bradley. Hey Dennis, my name is Bradley Cooper and I'm 15 years old from Willard, Missouri. And I was wondering, what value do you think is most at stake within the next generation of Americans? Thank you, Bradley. Where is that in, where was he in uh, Missouri? What city was that? Bradley, Willard, hmm, don't know. Uh, what value is at most at stake at the next generation? I'll tell you the three values that are most at stake. The American Trinity, as I call it. And I explain that in my book, Still the Best Hope, which explains the left, which explains Islamism, and explains American values. Americanism, I was going to say. Uh, it's, uh, it's the maybe the least best known of my books, but in some ways the most important. Still the Best Hope. You want to understand the left and America? That's the book I would recommend to you. And I explain the American Trinity. I didn't make up the, I made up the term, but I didn't make up the three components of that Trinity. They're on every American coin. Liberty, in God we trust, e pluribus unum. It was America's three mottos. Liberty, in God we trust, and from many, one. They're all three are completely at risk with your generation and uh, at this time and America will not survive as America if any of the three die. Liberty is, uh, well, look, free speech. That's the No Safe Spaces movie that's about that. Free speech is, is not a value for about half of American young people who say there's no, there should be no free speech for hate speech. Then there's no free speech because what you declare hateful, you'll simply drop their ability to speak. You'll, and it happens on campuses all the time to conservative speakers. By the way, when campuses were much more conservative, they never shut out people on the left. Never. Eugene Genovese was a great scholar of the Civil War in America. He was a Marxist, a Marxist, self-proclaimed Marxist. And he wrote later in his life, I had much more freedom to teach Marxism in the 1950s than someone today has to teach anything conservative. Uh, there's no comparison. 
because conservatives are totally happy to allow people who differ with them to speak. But that's not true for the left. So that's liberty. Uh, in God we trust. Uh, God is the source of uh, rights, according to the Declaration of Independence of the United States. If they're not from God, then they're not inalienable. That's the wording of the, of the Declaration of Independence. We have certain inalienable rights our, from our Creator. Because there's no such thing as inalienable rights if there's no Creator. Where do you get inalienable rights from? People? If rights come from people, then rights can be taken away by people. End of issue. But if rights come from God, then they're inalienable. So even if you're an atheist, you want America to continue to have in God we trust as one of its mottos. And I know atheists who do believe that. Yeah, well, I happen to be an atheist, but I know America's doomed if, if God dies in America. I, I know atheists who say that. I, a totally, totally respectable position. And e pluribusuna means from many one. In other words, you come from all over the world into America, but you become an American. One people. That's what, that was the ideal. It's called the melting pot when I was a kid. The left loathes the word melting pot. They like the word multiculturalism. But America was never multicultural. It was multi-ethnic. Big difference. Multi-ethnic is not a problem. Multicultural? Yeah. If you bring a different culture into America with different values, we don't, by culture we don't mean what foods you like or what poetry you like, or what songs you sing, but what values you have. Yes, we had, we had, a, we had a shared value system. So the, all three, Bradley, are, un, are threatened at this time for your generation. Okay, let's see here. Tavin. It's a new name for me. 18 years old, Mission Viejo, California. Hi, Dennis. Hi, Tavin. Thanks for the insightful content you and your cohorts slash guests provide us. What has caused such a widespread amount of corruption in Hollywood? Why do so many people of the arts align with left-leaning policies? Thank you and best regards. It's a very good question. Why, why is Hollywood so left? It wasn't always. In the 1930s, Hollywood produced the most patriotic films. You should watch even the 40s as well. It's very interesting. It, this, this evolved over time. Actors were proud to be Americans and, and to salute the flag and sing the, the, the national anthem of the United States. Uh, this, it, it, this changed in the, uh, starting in the 60s. Then, then all of a sudden, the left became dominant in Hollywood and in the media and in everything else. And it, I don't. I, I know the reason in, in academia, but I'm not sure how why it happened in uh, in the arts. <clears throat> Maybe because it happened everywhere else, and just the young the young actors and producers and the others just they they went along with the rest of society's leftward drift. That may well be, but I think there's an additional reason. <clears throat> I think a lot of actors and actresses don't believe they're doing something important by being an actor or an actress. And everybody wants to do something important. It's part of the human condition. So they become social justice warriors. I will fix the world. Then I'm important. 
I, that's a very big factor. The same holds true for journalists. Journalists don't think that writing the news, reporting the news is important. Then they're just a stenographer. But if they can, if they can change society, then they're doing something important. So journalism went from reporting the truth to advocating positions. Every, every profession, they didn't, I'm not doing that important a thing. But if I, if I am changing the world, then I become significant. So if Robert De Niro, the actor, gets up and goes, F Trump, F Trump at, at the Academy Awards, he thinks he, he is making a bold statement, by the way, as if it takes any courage in Hollywood to say F Trump. <laughs> That's the joke. I'll tell you what takes courage in Hollywood is to say, I like this president. That, that's courage. I mean, let's, at least let's be clear. It takes no courage to do what Robert De Niro did. Also, I always wonder when grown men curse in public like that, do their kids hear them? I have kids. I'm, I, 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 I tell uh, off-color jokes in private. I'm... I'm, I'm I'm not an absolutist on this issue, but in public, it's a very, uh, it's a very disturbing thing. But anyway, uh, he he thinks he's done something important. I'm great. I my movies. That's that's cute, but f Trump, that makes me significant. I think that's a factor. What's our time frame? All right, let's see. Uh, here's a question about uh, history books that I would recommend. I'm, I'm going to have to prepare a good answer for that. All right. Uh, John Forty in Ireland. Hello, Dennis. Was, as we would say in Irish, uh, I'm going to give it a try. Dia Dwit Donchad. Thank you. Thank you. Which literally translates as God be with you. Thank you. Dennis. Have you ever considered growing a beard? Yes, and I rejected it. Do you have any opinions or wise works regarding men wearing a beard? No, I don't. I have no stance on... Oh, wait, I do. I take it back. I have a thought on beards. Why don't we see Rodney? Does Rodney have a beard? Uh-oh. This is going to... Rodney, this, I swear to God, this does not apply to you. <laughs> it really doesn't. Now, uh, this is... I actually gave this thought. Why... We went from almost all men in America who had a clean-shaven look uh, to a lot of young men have beards. Now, I think clearly, I mean, I know terrific guys with beards. For some, it's just I think they think they look good or their girlfriend thinks they look good or their wife thinks they look good, which is fine enough for me. That's a good enough reason. So I want to put that aside. But I think for some... There's a something else at work here. And again, for some, this is not, but for enough for me to make this point, and that is masculinity has been devalued tremendously. Many, many young men don't know what it means to be masculine because feminism and the left have, uh, have crapped on masculinity. Sorry for the language, but I can't think of any verb that does it justice. 
That's what they have done. Masculine, in fact, masculine, toxic masculinity is for the left redundant. All masculinity is toxic. So I think a certain number of men, young men have only one way of saying, hello, I'm not a female. And that is to grow a beard. I, I do believe that. I think that that's a factor. Not, not some of the most wonderful young men I know have beards. It's in, in some old men, too. So it's not true for everybody, but I, I do think it's played a role in, in, in having a comeback. And uh, that was uh, that was my theory. Thank you. What uh, uh, what's our timing? Okay. Uh, Randy, 16, Tallahassee, Florida. For those of you not living in America, that's the capital of Florida. Dennis, I was thinking the other day that many of our founders weren't really politicians at all. They were tradesmen, silversmiths, printers, and farmers, etc. Do you think that has anything to do with America's longstanding entrepreneurial spirit? I do. I, I, absolutely. In fact, their belief was just serve in politics a few years and then go back to being a tradesman or a businessman or an entrepreneur in some other way. That, that was, the, that was the, the idea that you would be a lifelong politician would have struck the founders of the United States as ridiculous and indeed destructive. So that was, uh, that, that was a factor. Yes, it is part of the entrepreneurial spirit, but so too are two other things in America. One, liberty. The entrepreneur is free. I will create and I will fail and I will succeed and I will fail again and I will succeed and so on. That's one. The other is America has as enshrined in its Declaration of Independence life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's huge. The pursuit of happiness is a major moral achievement. And it has been a defining element in American life, pursuing happiness. That's part of the entrepreneurial spirit, too. You know what? We, um, we got to figure out a way to get people more comfortable in their homes in hot uh, summer months. Let's, let's cool places. And they came up with air conditioning. And people are happier thanks to air conditioning. Think I could have a fireside chat every every week without air conditioning in the house, uh, and and so many other things. So th those two factors I think played a, a a big role. All right, there's a lot of other good stuff, but I don't like to keep you too long. It's better that you should want more than uh, you know. All right, let me see what else is on the internet. I think about that. All right, everybody, what else can I tell you? Let's see. So the movie is, is, is please watch for it, No Safe Spaces. It's, very, it's a very important movie, not because I'm in it. I'm in an important movie, but it's not important because I'm in it. So I just want to make that clear. And in the meantime, enjoy our video. Send me questions. Always good to hear from you. And on behalf of Otto and the rest of the Prager family, thanks for watching. See you next week. Thank you for watching. If you'd like to keep these fireside chats free, please do by donating to PragerU.